Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 46. This is Deb Falzoy, and today I'm getting back to the basics. I'm going to talk about what is workplace bullying. I just put a, a quiz up on social media, and you, you can find it if you go to the Dignity at Work Act Facebook page and take the quiz, and you will see all of the tactics that workplace bullies use that I'm going to go through in this episode. I'm also going to reveal a couple of normal ways of healing that targets are generally surprised to find out about. Are you ready to dive into this with me more after this? If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. So I have spent a lot of time in this podcast talking about the structures in our system, in our workplaces that create abusive power. So we have some groups who have much easier access to power in the first place and other groups who don't. And this is all based on, or a lot of it is based on demographics and stereotyping and people who simply look the part. So I want to get a little more into the weeds, but also at the same time bring us back to the basics of if you feel like you're being bullied at work, what does this look like? And how, looking back on your career, have you been bullied? I want to talk about the tactics that get used, the signs you can look for that you've been bullied and a little bit about the healing process and some norms that we don't really think of as norms because when we're going through them, they feel like our lives are just simply spiraling out of control. So I want to start off with a couple of questions. Um, The first being, is there someone at your workplace or who was at your workplace, if you've left a job, who just makes you feel anxious and frustrated and angry? Anger is such a huge part of going through workplace bullying, as well as just depression or a sense of betrayal. Um, Basically, if you're not feeling energized and motivated and valued, there is a pretty great chance that you are on the receiving end of abusive power. So is someone or was someone constantly belittling you in your ideas or your work or maybe ignoring you? Maybe it's you said something at a meeting or or this was a repeated situation where you would say something at a meeting and someone else would say some the exact same thing or something similar and suddenly people would listen. Or Does your boss or did your boss only focus on your shortcomings or weaknesses? Do you just, do you feel like you were walking on eggshells or still are and avoiding upsetting this person who has power? Um, You know, what happens when your boss has an angry outburst at a meeting or when they humiliate you in front of your coworkers? Or make some kind of unreasonable request that requires you to work long hours or um, no matter how hard you work or fast you work, you never come close to getting anything done or feel good enough for your boss. Um, And I want to just actually add that this could also be a coworker. So coworkers don't hold as much power 
as bosses usually. Um, but they can still wreak havoc. They can, they can create what's called mobbing. They can decide that you are a threat to them and that you are on their hit list basically, and then get other people to feel the same way about you through distorting things that happen. Um, a, a lot of this is, is truly making up lies and then getting everyone to isolate you. So, um, I want to talk through, there's basically two different major buckets of ways that bosses or coworkers can bully you. And they fall under, generally speaking, sort of these interpersonal relationship behaviors and then organizational behaviors. So what what policies are in place that don't let you stand in your power? And to frame this whole discussion here, um, the two things that most employees want and this is according to research from Jeffrey Pfeffer, who is a, a professor at Stanford. Those two things are job control and social support. And if you are missing one of those, and the, the tactics that I am about to go through will show you how, so, how job control and social support can be taken away from you. Um, you will you will see that that it all goes back to those two things. So let's first dive into the interpersonal or relationship behaviors. And these usually take the form of ridicule, disrespect, overwork, overcontrol. Here's here's a pretty big list of them, but it's not limited to the, the these tactics. So it could be teasing, sarcasm, name calling, slandering or ridiculing put downs and insults. This is especially toxic when we see them in front of other people um, at meetings where other people are supporting that behavior by not taking action. We know that remaining neutral in an abusive situation actually sides with the abuser because it enables their behavior. There's also um, some more nuanced behaviors, like just getting in someone's personal space. There can be um, hints or signals that you should quit your job without any reason for it. There could be nasty emails, angry outbursts. There could be persistent, abusive messages, like phone calls, voicemails, emails, postings about you or to you um, on social media, or, or any other platform, maybe it's an intranet. Um, there could be excessive criticism, reprimands, repeated reminders of errors or mistakes. Really, really, just this um, this this approach of wanting to break you down, regardless of how great of a work worker you are. And in fact, your greatness usually poses a threat to somebody who abuses, somebody who is ego-driven. They care care more about their their self-esteem and their their feelings of shame than the organization or than 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 boosting the the value of their team members. So it can also be destructive gossip, rumors, innuendo, offensive jokes, inappropriate statements, 
Making up accusations against an employee. This is a huge one. False accusations are a major tactic that bullies use. There could be unfairly denying you personal leave that you are entitled to or job training without any reasonable explanation for the denial of either of those things. And there could be just physical, obvious, intimidating behavior like finger pointing, pushing, shoving, throwing things, tools used deliberately to intimidate people, and then also nonverbal threatening gestures. Um, again, it's not a comprehensive list here, but it's um, paint, paints a picture of behaviors that people use to create a toxic environment because they don't care about getting things done. They care about themselves. And then there's the organizational piece that I talked about. So behaviors don't have to be obvious. In fact, so much of workplace bullying or, or workplace abuse is completely subtle. Um, but it can be just as destructive. It can be uh, one of the common behaviors is intentional sabotage of someone else's work. So I'm going to go through this list. Um, so first of all, it could be assigning you impossible deadlines and giving you completely unreasonable workloads so that later they can say, look, this person's incompetent. This person can't handle their job. It could be micromanaging you or unnecessarily controlling your work, diving way too deeply into the weeds and treating you like you are far below your level of expertise. They could remove key areas of responsibility from you and possibly replace them with more trivial or unpleasant tasks. And I'm not talking about like staying late in a crisis situation to like help stuff envelopes or something of that nature. I'm talking about this happening day to day. Um, we can tell when our bosses have our best interest at heart by repeated patterns, although it doesn't have to necessarily be repeated. It can be one egregious um, one-off event, but you know, when it's repeatedly trying to diminish what you can bring to the table, that's what we're calling workplace bullying. It can also be undermining someone's reputation behind their back. So, you know, we, we just mentioned spreading rumors, but it can be um, this deliberate sabotage to have other people consider you to be below your level of expertise. Um, it can also be unrealistic work demands, removing tasks that are crucial for your job with no explanation. So withholding resources um, or just removing, preventing you from doing things that you need to do in order to get your job done. It can be purposely giving you inconsistent instructions so that when you choose what you think should be done, they have a way of reprimanding you in the end for whatever you chose. It can be changing hours or schedules to make life more difficult. And there is actually, just as an aside, um, legislation called Fair Work Week that gets at this particular issue um, where it's requesting reasonable you know, 
notice for schedules, especially people in like retail jobs, restaurant jobs, where um, people are given last minute notice on shifts. They might be uh, asked to work a closing shift back to back with an opening shift. Um, So if you Google fair work week, you can see some of the work that's being done to get at this particular issue. There's also deliberately withholding information for you to be effective at work. Um, Blowing off your accomplishments is a huge one. If, you know, taking a situation where you have busted your butt to get something done and as human beings, we expect some sort of acknowledgement for that work. And when that work is blown off, we as humans feel less valued. Um, there can be excluding people and that's not just from emails or meetings, but, but also social functions. So this, this all impacts how we feel as human beings at work. There's pressuring others to not take advantage of benefits to which they are entitled. So, so making up obscure, um, policies that, um, isolate people for no good reason. So this could be, you know, some people getting health benefits and other people not getting health benefits based on whether they're married or not. There's also taking credit for others' work. So that goes beyond blowing off accomplishments. This goes into not only did that person not do this great thing, but I'm going to take credit for what they did. Um, engaging in office politics in a way that's hurtful, manipulative, and unethical, going into people's personal belongings and supplies. And this is a huge one. I, I see this all the time, where someone is given a bogus performance review to convince the target that he or she is the problem. So in a, in a positive work environment, you know, in reading about places... I'm thinking in particular of Netflix, a place that has reinvented itself so many times. Um, There is a book out there by Patty McCord who describes Netflix and how it was able to reinvent itself and the approach that it takes to employees and acknowledging in respecting their backgrounds and expertise and giving a voice to people. So taking people on all levels of the company and really dissecting issues and, you know, duking it out with issues that are actually business problems rather than personal problems and creating that environment where it's safe to speak up about things. Um, When we see people rightfully speak up about things and um, Cy Wakeman is another author who wrote about the fact that we there are high accountabilities high accountables and low accountables and with people who are highly accountable and and great workers we should be listening to what they have to say we should be listening to concerns that they have about how they're being treated at work policies that are that are not good for them um and there are companies I've heard of companies who um, need, where employees need permission to even apply for another internal job, and other companies like Google, where 
you can apply to whatever job you want internally without your boss's permission. And then enough, if enough people in a department do that, it, it flags to HR that there's a potentially toxic boss and then they, um, step in and do something about it. According to, um, Kim Scott, who is another author. So these are all major tactics that are used by bullies to break you down. It is usually deliberate. There are there are cases where people just were put into management positions and just don't know how to manage. And so they form toxic habits and, and want to know a better way. Um, in those cases, those people are trainable. But in other cases... These are deeply rooted issues of processing shame and or I should say deflecting shame. There isn't actually a processing of shame and putting that back onto people who feel less than because their performance is outstanding. Um, When this happens to us, we we take some time to. Well, because a lot of targets internalize what's happening and try to make things better there is usually a um a a period of time at the beginning where targets question if it's them they they work harder they think that it's something that they're doing or not doing to bring about this behavior and it's when they get to a point of oh i'm not the problem here that they can understand that detaching from the situation is what will help them start the healing process. And of course, being out of the situation is really what helps with the healing process. But I want to talk about two major pieces that are completely normal in this process that a lot of targets feel a sense of relief around when they learn that it's normal. The first one is the rumination piece. So many targets ruminate about what they're going through, and that rumination serves a purpose. So targets can feel actually crazy when this is happening because their minds are overtaken by, you know, what did I do wrong? I should have done this. And just replaying scenarios in their minds about what happened. Um, but what what that does for us in the healing process is helps us get control over a situation, helps our minds land on a perception where they can actually make sense of what's happening. And then the second piece of it involves blame. So One of the major pieces, like I mentioned, is that targets of workplace bullying will blame themselves, usually, initially, um, for what's happening. But it's not until there's a detachment from what's happening and a target can put the blame squarely on the abuser to heal and to get their power back. So there may be situations where a target reacts in an unhealthy way. Um, 
but this is an emotional experience and none of that reaction would have had to occur had the abuse not happened in the first place. So the abuse is the wrong behavior that creates anything that happens after it. Of course, there are, you know, in an ideal world, we want to um, manage our emotions around this, but it is a very emotional situation. So, you know, we don't always know that we're going through this unless we've gone through it before, because why would we know the details of workplace bullying without that, without without that initial experience. I saw a quote, and I'm not going to quote this um, directly. I believe it was a a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote of um, saying that basically, like, life is an experiment. We can't possibly know what what situations are like and in all of the nuances and and um, details of situations until we've actually been through them in a lot of situations. Even when we're learning things, you know, we can we could read about riding a bike, but it's not until we get on that bike that we understand how to ride a bike and keep learning how to ride the bike. Overcoming blaming ourselves is part of the healing process. So I wanted to walk you through just some of the basics of not only workplace bullying, but some of the, the, a couple of major um, effects of bullying that, that targets tend to feel relieved around when they find out that all of this is normal in workplace bullying. And I, as, I, as soon as I say that it's normal, we our reactions to workplace bullying are normal because workplace bullying is actually abnormal. We are having normal reactions to an abnormal situation. So I want to leave you with the fact that on my website, dignitytogether.org, I have um, a sign up for a boot camp you can take that really gets into the the weeds. It sets up um, the the framework for how this is all happening in the first place. What what areas of our culture and our work cultures and our worldviews set this up to begin with that have nothing to do with us? And then there's a, a, a further course you can take on um, if you are in this situation of what has worked and not worked for other targets. So things like should I speak up? When should I speak up? If I should speak up at all? Um, What I can do to kind of minimize being a target? Who's going to help me? Who's not going to help me? What, you know, what HR's role is? Um, And then if I leave and, and what I should do when I leave or how to even leave when my self esteem has been shot to the ground. Um, how, how am I going to find a job where this isn't going to happen again? Or how can I at least help prevent that? How can I interview with myself in, in mind? How can I pick up on red flags from the interviewer? What should I be looking for when I interview? This is all in that, uh, those courses. So I encourage you to look at those, 
Um, I also have free support groups at 7 p.m. Eastern time every Wednesday night through Dignity Together where you can go on the website and sign up to get on a reminder list with the Zoom link. Um, and, And I'm also, along with Janice White of the Empowered Employee, whose blog you have to check out if you have gone through this because the way, the insights she has and the way she describes some of this behavior in her own recovery will, will resonate so much with you. Um, but we are planning a course for what to do if you are out of the situation, but still struggling with healing. I mean, talking to targets, um, I have seen, I've seen the healing process take so long. It can go from a few months possibly to years and we will have so much information on what recovery looks like, you know, information from people who have recovered and what their process was like, um, tools that you can use moving forward, just all sorts of, of information that will help you. So um, make sure to get on my email list if you want to find out about that course because it is coming up soon. The last thing I want to mention is that We can take back our power by fighting for our rights. So we know that this whole system is set up to favor those in power, which gives them a full pass to abuse it to a pretty large extent. So you can go on dignityatworkact.org. I have been working on workplace anti-bullying legislation for a decade, decade now, and we're introducing this brand new bill that is one of the strongest pieces of legislation I have seen around this issue that really brings the power back to the employee as much as possible. So um, based on the way other issues have passed, you know, there are state efforts. I'm thinking of gay marriage where that passed in Massachusetts first, then a bunch of other states passed it, and then it went to the federal level. And this has happened with other issues as well, interracial marriage. So we are taking that same approach with the Dignity at Work Act. And we have a, an amazing team of people who are putting together efforts, um, creating state teams in their states across the country. And we are still building those teams and looking for people to be on them in every single all 50 U.S. states. And we even have people participating internationally who want to um, find out what they can do in their countries. We've heard from people in the U.K., in Australia. There have been a handful of people who have reached out to us trying to um, see what they can do in their countries. So it is it is a really powerful force. Um, and I really encourage everyone to get involved with that. Again, it is at dignityatworkact.org. Spread the word um, because we are really trying to build a movement around this issue across the country. Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org slash targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly, Deb Falzoy, 
and the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye.